0: Welcome back to the Excellence Cartel. It is just the three of us today. Jeffrey Sue, Jason Theobald, and myself, Jeff Black. We're going to talk to you guys. Well, actually, we're not going to talk to you guys. We're going to talk to each other about depression and anxiety, I guess, in a real manly way or some shit. Um, But first, before we get into that, I figured let's hit up, see how our week's been from last Tuesday, this Tuesday. uh, We had some uh, good responses with John Gorman's podcast last week. Um, Some really cool feedback on that from, I know it was targeted more towards coaches or fitness enthusiasts, but um, nonetheless, we got some really cool feedback from those in our industry. So that was cool to see. Very helpful. But um, I'm going to throw it to you, Jason. How's the last seven days been for your happy self?
1: Oh, man. Um, As I was telling you guys, you know, I mean, I've been getting, you know, I had a few new signups. Things are cool, but I just have been a little frustrated with just a few things in that, you know, I get a lot of clients who have, you know, metabolic comp issues and a lot of them are addicted to working out and exercise. And as soon as they get the plan where I'm only letting them train three to four days a week, one restorative yoga, they flip out, you know, and, um, they act like they can't do it. They're not going to be able to do it. And I explain to them the reason they're in the problem they're in is because they are addicted to working out. And that as soon as they would let that go, their body would actually start behaving better um, and do the things we want it to do. But getting people over that hump, it's really tough. So after you sit and spend three hours of, you know, a, you know, setting out a program for someone and then they get back to you and they're like, I don't think I can do this. You know, it's it's frustrating to say the least. And I've had a couple of those this week. But all in all, you know, a couple of clients signed up this week. Um, you know, I'm healthy financially sound everything's fine it's just you know sometimes that stuff just gets frustrating and uh then it kind of compounds but otherwise all good ready to talk about anxiety today yay
0: <laughs> you know I think it's tough um from our perspective to to coach that aspect of more rest considering most people are just brought up like you can outwork that your problem I'm like mm-hmm. mm, this is one you just can't outwork sadly can't you outwork know, it. it's like redlining a car forever eventually just blow the engine
1: yep 100%, and- it's a good analogy
0: yeah. And so I, I can understand your plight. Cause sometimes I'm just like, fuck, and I throw my keyboard away. <laughs> I've even dropped
1: myself after I got back from, uh, from Tennessee. After that dime, I, I did six days with you all. <clears throat> and I had been pushing hard for five. I pulled it back to four. I could just tell my body wasn't responding the same. I pulled my hits. I'm not doing hits anymore. Let my body just fill out, get a little plumper. But everyone thinks, God, you gotta be doing six, seven days a week or else, you know, they're not going to get where they want. And, and, uh, It's just hard to sometimes get people to do it. And it's frustrating because I know if they would, I I can help them. But all in all, not a bad week. Just a little frustrating on that today.
0: What about you, Sue? Sue, I heard uh, some guys saw you in your BMW. He follows you, you know, First Call of Fitness. He did not comment on your hair, which was extreme disappointment.
2: No, he did not because I was going to Whole Foods. It was dark. And I saw this. So for those who don't know, you know, I have this BMW M4 CS, there's only 500 in the U.S., made in the U.S. I have one of them. And it's a very unique car. So this guy comes up to me, tailing me, wants a race. We pull up side by side next to a red light, rolls down his window. He's like, yo, man, I've been following you on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, yeah? He's like, your first call on fitness, right? I'm like, yeah, that's me. So we, uh, we waved, and, uh, you know, that was it. I followed him back. His, uh, his, his name is Casper M4 because it's a white BMW M4 but i um, gonna be
1: the peak of your 15 minutes that's good that's it right there that is that is peak
2: stardom for me <laughs> but hey listen great week I recovered my adductor recovered from the pole from <laughs> riding the mechanical bull down in Nashville um, couple new clients as well returning clients and also someone left another trainer at that old gym that I was at to join first call of fitness which is great and then I had a former client of mine uh, who who bashed me on social media, which was awesome as well, which added to some anxiety. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that sucks, man. Yep. Well, you know, my week's actually been um, pretty good. I've had a few new signups. I just finished my HRV course when I logged in on here today. So uh, certified mastered out on that one, like Sensei Yoda shit. Um, Otherwise, I've got that Jarrett Strong fundraiser next Wednesday at the gym Uh, where we're raising money, which you guys contributed as sponsors to. Um, So thank you for that. We're doing that next Wednesday. So um, kind of, I've got a little bit of anxiety about that one starting to build in me because, you know, um, we raised over $11,000 when we did Riker Strong for Thera in 2017. And, you know, this time I'm trying to beat that number. And, you know, so far we're ahead of where we were last time, but, you know, I'm trying to, you know, help a young man out and his family. So it's the pressure on and self-imposed pressure, but still I want to make sure that this kid has, I, that I can look back and say I maximized every network and potential I had to get him the most money. So I'm kind of reflecting on that. But um, you know, it's weird to sit here and think about talking about anxiety and depression. I'm kind of like uh, the money topic a little bit because yeah, I 100. Yeah, I was raised in a Catholic household, and yep. so that's like you know the fuckery right there. But
1: <laughs> well, I, well, we weren't real Catholic, but we weren't real open either. It was like you know, you just kind of shove things under. You know, you know, yeah. I watched. I watch friends with parents who are like real open and they talk about sex and they talk about all these different things. And I'm like, damn, we never talked about any of that shit. You know what I mean? Like, you just kind of yeah. shoved it down and kind of did your shit. You went to school, you got straight A's, and then you went to college. Like, that was what my life was, you know? We didn't talk about all those things that come up.
0: Yeah, I'm like the same thing, you know? um, I went through, as you guys know, because y'all know me, we were born with my bone disease. I had a real traumatic childhood, you know, that I'm starting to. I was very good at a young age about compartmentalizing it and um, since I started writing my book about my journey with uh, osteogenesis perfecta into bodybuilding and kind of like how I've kind of done the un- unthinkable because medical science said that a person of my size and stature could exist um, kind of you know writing that book has triggered a lot of memories so I've been having like flashbacks in the middle of the day I'll catch myself like Mm -hmm. going back to a spot, and it's an uncomfortable spot. Sure. Um, And then uh, subsequently, because of that, and my inability to process those things and really kind of um, pull them out of a box and break them down and figure out where they need to go again, because I'm like 30 years later, I'm 30 years older, I'm 30 years wiser, 30 more years of shit happening to me. And um, I go back and I'm thinking like, fuck, why all that? So I've been going back into counseling. Um, I go every other week and I kind of been talking about all this stuff, but um, I remember when I had that uh, surgery where I had to, it was the bone structure, the Elizabeth Rob, and I had to break my own uh, tibia and fibula every four to six hours for about three, a little over three months. Um, I remember before I left the hospital, they had a, a therapist come talk to me and he was like, are you thinking thoughts of self harm? And you know, I'm like, I'm not even 10 years old yet. I'm like just laying in a, in a hospital bed, like, uh, no, but that surgery was my first test into madness. Um, and what I mean by that, you know, at nine, 10 years old, you don't know how to tell people that you're sad, you're dark, um, that the lights just aren't on up there, that you're just like, you know, why this existence, why this, why that, you don't know how to convey those things, you know? Um, so I think, at that age just everything I went through and then my first step in therapy my leg breaking um just led to kind of like a chronic depressed state like anyone who ever knows me is you know I enjoy the humor and stuff like that but I'm really very melancholy and um you know to be honest uh SSRIs didn't work for me and they threw me on all of them so they would put me on one I'd become a zombie Mm -hmm. I remember my late teenage years because, you know, I had a real good uh, thing all throughout my life. I'd like to like fire to my personal life and watch it burn down and be like, ah, well, you know, on to the next. And and it was a vicious cycle and it was just from the chronic depression. So it was, you know, you go through your mania and you go through, you're just down in the dumps. But what I'm real interesting about is I could bring my depression up to match my mania. So then it gets me real unsettled. Um, I've learned to kind of work through all that, but SSRIs never worked. And, you know, to fix the problem of that, I would become a d- zombie and then my dick wouldn't work. And being like a male in your twenties, that's just not something you're going to do no matter how much test you're taking. <laughs> so, um, I kind of got into, I- I've, it was very, very frustrating to have treatment resistant depression. I don't know if you guys ever suffered from depression, but once the lights go out, it's real hard to turn the lights back on. Like you have to like really kind of like get uncomfortable with yourself for me personally and like i journal and then once i kind of get through that journaling i'm able to pull apart and kind of start working through it but man when those lights are out they're out i i personally
1: you know i was i I put that video up on the on my page and i've dealt with clients who are clinically depressed and you know i'll say this um i always tell them to get help if you're a coach out there or even a friend like don't think you can fix that if someone is truly clinically depressed like i always counsel them to get to a doctor get to a therapist like coaches we are not equipped to fix that for someone it's different than just a day or two of sadness in a client reaching out so if you suspect that like you know please tell them to you know seek help and try your best that you can but again um you know i that's what i try to do it's different from sadness when someone's clinically really depressed it's uh you can't just say, hey, let's get happy. Let's focus on this. There's a lot of things that have to go through. And maybe you can touch on that. But, um, you know, I haven't dealt with it more long lines. I, I'm i an adrenaline dominant person. So I've dealt with a lot of just that creates anxiety. And it's not one of those anxieties where I sit and worry about shit. That's not the kind of anxiety I have. I just was always like through my 20s, um, kind of just wound way too tight in that I'd get up every morning and be ready to run a race. Basically, I was stuck in flight or fight for about 10 years. Um, and we can get into more of that later and how I fix yeah. it and think. But that's kind of my background and what I dealt with. I, I've never really been depressed. Um, do you think depression, obviously, it's a genetic trait, but do you think it tends to you know affect people that maybe are more inward thinkers, more deeper thinkers, or do you think that has nothing to do with it? It's just you're either born with you know missing some of those neurotransmitters or not. This is all just thoughts, by the way, people. We yeah. aren't. We aren't. We aren't doctors. Um, you know, we're just. We're just shooting the shit here today. Three three guys who have dealt with different issues.
0: I 100 percent agree with that. Um, my dad's dad hung himself, so he. You know, so I already know like that. That kind of like I guess taintedness is in the family tree. Yeah. Um, I, I can be like, you know, so to be real with you, the 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 SSRIs, the mood stabilizers, never worked for me. Um, it wasn't until I, um, tripped mushrooms a few years ago that I remember after doing it, like the experience, I felt like I, you know, they, they talk about all this stuff now and I'll get into it here in a little bit, but, um, you know, I tripped shrooms and I remember for like weeks afterwards having such clarity and such centeredness. It was the first time ever in my life I ever felt peace. So, um, you know, I didn't really think too much about it. Um, until i started reading you know like y'all know i read all the time and i found this book called stealing fire and it talked about the flow state and it's like talking about skydivers who like just will keep going until basically they kill themselves you know like or they the, the uh, cliff jumpers whatever base jumpers and it's like this this state of flow and and uh, one of my favorite books is relentless by tim grover and he talks about the flow state i mean if you think about what jordan did he was taking shots, hit 50% of his shots, made 50% of his shots with cameras clicking at that time of age, all those cameras were going off every shot he took, you know, the concentration, that flow state. Um, And they were talking about how Silicon Valley, namely Google was replicating flow state with microdosing LSD. And I was like, well, shit, that's real interesting. So I started digging and then I found the John Hopkins research. Now, um, that was a really big one. It's talked about like Michael Pullian's book and so forth. Um, how, uh, psychedelics, uh, I can't remember, but it's like how psychedelics are changing. Um, something, yeah, uh, I won't misquote it, but it's by Michael Pullian and it's recent. He was talking about the John Hopkins research. And what they did was they gave mushrooms to people who were diagnosed with cancer and they went through this experience. And afterwards, over 70% of them said it was one of the most meaningful experiences they had ever done. And then a year later, it was still up in the 60%. And then that's when it really started clicking with me. And then that's when um, I can be honest and I'll say openly because this might help someone, my microdosing LSD and microdosing mushrooms has done more for my depression than any other drug they've given me.
1: From the serotonin (sighs) dump.
0: Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, man. After taking that HRV class, it makes me wonder if it does something to the RRB which is the signaling between every beat. You have that like, uh, it's not like a manometer where it's like click, click, click. Each beat's in, uh, different and each beat is coding to your ANS, your atomic nervous system, either to heal, like repair itself or get ready for fight. So fight or flight, it's basically yep. always doing that. Yep. And it makes me wonder because after I microdose and I, I'd be curious, so if anyone out there's microdosing, message me on this, but after you microdose, or at least I do, my heart feels different for a few days. Like I just feel like way lifted off my chest. Like I don't feel like people who suffer from anxiety say it's like an elephant on their chest, like the pressure sometimes, you know, just the, that just like it's suffocating you, you know, Um, probably not what you're talking about, what you suffer from. Mm -hmm. No, But I I can tell you that I feel different after it. So um, you're seeing a Tim Ferriss recently had a podcast where he was talking about, they're saying ecstasy. MDMA is going to be um, probably uh, FDA approved in about five years or less for treatment. So people can, you know, kind of get open again with themselves because really? MDMA wow. is real good for the, um, the feeling side, you know, allows you to kind of just get that compassion and that emotion it allows you to feel again. And there are actually about five years or less from using mushrooms, um, from um, uh, using mushrooms in regards to depression and anxiety treatments um so it's really cool stuff that's going on out there and the best part is they're non-addictive drugs in a society where addiction is just running rampant you know i mean it's all over the place
1: the biggest problem is you know <clears throat> there's no good way to really get you know um acid and all those things um you know not everyone out there is is gonna be able to find it um put things together that's Correct. that's the that's the unfortunate side or at least, you know, they're not going to be able to, to, to go try it themselves at least easily. Unfortunately, I don't think there's any state. That, even <laughs> Colorado, I, I don't think is there yet.
0: No, nah, but, but we're San
1: Francisco.
0: But, but what I will say is this. When I was 18, 19 years old, I was in anabolic steroids. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I hadn't even done dope or anything. If you had told me at 18 or 19, Jeff, when you return 37, you're going to do psychedelics and you're going to be start smoking <laughs> weed and all this other shit. I was like, get the fuck out of here, da-da-da-da, drugs, pussies. I would have been like, you know, say no to drugs. Drugs are for losers, you know. And I would have gone down this whole thing because it was like the whole – I was raised in the D.A.R.E. society, you know. Like, I was a dare kid generation. So I, it blows my mind away as I journal because I think of how I was just a few years ago before I started taking these psychedelics and how my thoughts are completely different. So – I mean, I don't know if that's a sense of uh, should maybe draw a line to me now at 39 compared to 19. That's just how desperate I was to make my problems go away. Well, I
1: know from my foray into uh, microdosing LSD, just, you know, usually it usually happens when I hang with Jeff, (laughs) but, you know, there is a huge serotonin dump and you feel a huge relaxation just kind of come over the body basically is what I feel. Um, so I am not surprised that it would help anyone depressed because SSRIs, I mean, that's what they do. They prevent the uptake of, you know, of serotonin from being, you know, wasted and it builds up and you get more serotonin basically. Um, but, you know, without the side effects, like you said, like it can cause impotence. They can cause, um, you know, where, where you, you can't get off during sex. I mean, there's a lot of nasty side effects that can come from them. So it's an interesting topic to be able to use, uh microdose lsd and for our listeners out there like you don't see shit um you know colors None of that you're not you can hold you can literally give a presentation and knock it out of the park like you're it's nothing like that in case you're thinking oh well maybe there's a little colors and little things you see it's none of that um you just get extremely relaxed and more focused and kind of in the moment i don't check my phone as much yep Um, yep know you just kind of want to live in the moment and kind of zone in on what's going on with your friends and whoever is around um so it's an interesting topic it's just unfortunately one that most people don't have access to even to even try it at the moment but it's interesting how it's definitely helped your depression
0: Sue, what do you think about all that now knowing i just divulged all that because i know i've skimmed surfaces with you a little bit and kind of didn't really say too much, but you know, um, now that you've heard all that, what do you think? Like from, I, I just, what's your perspective on depression? The, you know, right.
2: my right. well, okay. Well, my perspective on de- like clinical depression and severe anxiety is that I honestly have not experienced too much of that myself. You know, I have days where I might feel sad because two clients quit the team or maybe I didn't close a a client or maybe someone online is talking shit about me and I never did anything wrong to them and it hurts my feelings and I get sad. (laughs) Um, And in situations like that, you know, I feel better the next day or I'll go out and I'll buy a pair of Gucci shoes and I feel better. (laughs) Like it's really simple, you know, for me to like, my ups and downs aren't, you know, very serious and I understand where they come from. Now in terms of, Um, like, like drug use, uh, self self uh, prescribed or or doctor prescribed. I don't have any experience with that either. However, I am sort of like, I guess it's a libertarian libertarian viewpoint where I think people should have the freedom to do what they think is best for them as long as it doesn't harm me. So you know, if you want to microdose LSD, you want to smoke weed, you want to do whatever, do it if it helps you. Um, But like, you know, to Jason's point, it, you know, unfortunately in our society today, we do have laws that restrict drug use. So not a lot of people are going to have access to even experiment with these things or even get them in, in, um, you know, a quality, quality dose or whatever, you know, there could be a lot of black market stuff out there that could be more dangerous. Um, So would I recommend that Mm, me personally? No, I wouldn't recommend using drugs to, to um, alleviate feelings of, Sadness or depression, because that could also lead to addiction. Um, So you got to think about that.
0: You know, I appreciate your honesty and your candidness there, considering a stark contrast to mine. Um, and you know yeah. It's one of those deals That even though I suffer from that And I'm kind of Sitting here thinking Just the ego side of me Like Sue has no clue Like how dim it really is Some days in my head But the way you said it Respectfully I really actually yeah. Appreciate that So thank you Of course man Because you know, I mean I think that We often can't have Dialogue out there anymore You see people just This is how you treat Depression And this is how right. You treat anxiety But yet yeah. People are still Committing suicide You know what I mean And especially among males It's, it's climbing
2: Right uh, because nobody wants to talk about it. Guys don't want to open up.
0: Yeah, and you know, I'll be, I'll be honest. Like I'm sitting here, like, holy shit, I just really said a lot about myself, <laughs> and, and it's a little awkward to know it's kind of now out there. But, um, you know, I, I, I want to circle back to the anxiety. I, I'm, I don't really. If I have anxiety, it's mostly just from some target date that. Or some situation I've made in my head that, like, if I don't do X by Y, then Z is not going to happen. And it's really arbitrary bullshit that I conjure up in my head. So, I can't really say I've suffered from anxiety in any regards. So, you know, Jeff, I know you've gone through a lot of schooling and so forth, similar to Jason. Um, and you guys both seem like you you managed to handle the anxiety. Would you say that that was just because of the, maybe you're all's backgrounds? Kind of yeah, how you handle- yeah. You know, no, I don't think it's
2: because of background. Because here's the thing, Jeff. Like my anxiety, so I I want to say to to everyone, and this is like for people who like people who don't know me won't really know this, but my life in real life is better than it is on social media. Most people' lives are better on social media than they are in real life. But I really do love my life. Like I literally have freedom to do whatever I want. I make an extraordinary amount of money for, for myself. And it's like more than I ever thought was possible. I, I eat whatever I want. I, I, I do whatever I want. You know, like it's, it's beautiful. I love my life. The only thing that, um, I'm someone who likes to be in control. Okay. So that's why like, you you know me, I don't like to get high. I don't drink alcohol. You know, I don't like losing a sense of control and most things in my life I am in control of, which empowers me to make decisions. And like, I know exactly where I'm going to go, how fast I'm going to go, and where, like when I'm going to get there, and everything that I do. So when, when things are out of my control, like, for example, recently, something that gave me a lot of anxiety is leaving that old gym that I was training out of, and people spreading rumors about me and all this stuff, people who I treated really well. And damaging my reputation and my name. And I that gave me severe anxiety and maybe like a touch of depression or sadness because I could not control that narrative. You know, I could only control what I was doing. And that bothered me a lot.
0: Do you know so so basically the high pressure situation, you know, high pressure schooling, stuff like that, didn't really phase you?
2: No, I, I went my my MBA program was like I think
0: I thought it was easy, you know? Dude, I just You're special. I want to like, if I could give you (laughs) right now, I would. All right. Well, do you know anyone who suffers from anxiety or depression? (sighs) Man, it kind of bothers you to see them go through that.
2: I, maybe my brother, my, my brother is, uh, you know, five years younger than me. He's 30. He lives at home with his, with, you know, our parents. Um, he currently doesn't drive. He doesn't work. No girlfriend, not in school. No, he just, he smokes a lot of weed. um,
0: And I love him. I don't think he's going
2: to listen to this podcast, but I love him. He's he's my brother. You know, enable him to like chill all day and do nothing? He literally just like plays like, I don't know, like NBA 2K or like Zelda on his like handheld stuff. He doesn't have his shirt on most of the time. He just like sits around at home. And like my parents, they, you know. He has no job? He doesn't have a job. He doesn't collect unemployment either. He just lives off my parents. My parents own a restaurant for some of the people. So he works there? No. Well, occasionally, like a couple times a week but nothing of any extraordinary income, and he's 30 years old. And I just can't, like, I go to my parents' house every Sunday to have dinner with my family, and I see him, and he's, he seems, like, normal and stuff. I just can't help but think that he is depressed. And what, what does he yeah. do with himself and think to himself, when well, my parents aren't gone, when I'm not there, and he's alone in that house for, like, most of the day, you know, 18 hours of the day or whatever,
1: you know, I don't know what goes on in his head. See, now I think something like that could literally depress me. But like, I it depresses me like look at it. I knew that about myself, so I always had a plan. Like that would depress me. But you know, you know, and that's
0: something that I, I'm a I'm awesome at counseling. Like I I've got like a master's level certification at going to counseling. Um, but that's something they talk about is that work home cycle, like where you just go work home, work home, work home, work home, work home, work home, work home. Work home, work home, work home. It's depression. Or, you know, and it shows itself in people usually sleeping too much. Um, yeah. You, yeah, so that that's a really interesting side. Sue, like, you ever thought about just throwing him a shirt and saying, like, let's go to the gym, dude? This is-
2: you know, I've, I brought him to the gym before. He he has, like, a lot of, like, injuries, I guess, or maybe he's just whining, but he used to row crew. Uh, he went to Boston University and rowed crew, and he has, like, a bad back, bad knee. I'm like, dude, you're, like, 30 years old. Like, how, how bad can it be? You wow,
1: know? He has, so he has a degree from Boston.
2: Yeah, he went to um, the, the the School of uh, Management, business degree, finance over there.
0: Yeah. What do you think I, it I, is for him? Was there something that happened to him that just caused him to kind of just shut down? You know,
2: he he was living down in Miami for a while and he did a lot of that drug party scene. He did, you know, like a lot of alcohol, some cocaine, weed, all that kind of stuff. And he just partied and he just sort of lived that, you know, work nine to five and waste your money, waste your time on the weekends with the wrong people. And it just cycled like that for years. And then he got sick of it. He quit his job, didn't get unemployment, drove back home. He somehow couldn't afford his car anymore. And then now here he is. Wow. So Jason,
0: what about you?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, law school, here's the thing for me, um, with all the studies and, and you know, when I was in law school, I was doing bodybuilding shows and law school. And, you know, there's a, there's a pressure to be like top 10, top 15. Um,
0: yeah, that was why I was curious if that manifests itself when I asked that Well, question.
1: it did, but if you would have asked me until I was in my third year, <clears throat> are you stressed out? I always said no. Like, people would say, are you nervous for this test? And I'd be like, nope. But the thing I didn't understand was I was stuck in such a flight or fight, like, phase that my body was stressed all the time. So, I didn't know a low or a high, if that makes sense. I was always pegged. So – I had no idea if I was nervous or anxious because I was always anxious. And so that manifested in law school where I ended up with like chronic pelvic pain. And the doctors wanted to tell me I had prostatitis and they put me on antibiotics but it never did anything like and basically what was happening was where some people tense their neck, I would tense pelvic muscles. Why I don't know, but think of just holding your pelvic muscles like hold your fist for a minute just tight as fuck well, that eventually starts to manifest in pain. And I, you know, had to learn to like, kind of like meditate and just kind of attack my day differently. Um, I'd get up in the morning and meditate. I would do yoga. I would do different things. I actually quit working out for a while because I didn't know what the pain was, what was going on. It was kind of a dark time in my life, but again, I'm never, um, I, I don't, My I, I'm just not, a, I don't have the, depressed gene I don't think so it never was something where I like sat and like woe is me I still did my job you still got good jobs did all those different things but it really sucked after the pullback from training and, and, you know all these doctors telling you you have like prostatitis and all these different things and that's not the case it ended up all being an anxiety and just being stuck in flight or fight and how I held my stress and you know there was not much I could do about it other than working out of the stress and so I dropped training just instinctively and different because that was a, that I didn't understand that, but that was a stressor. And so I I got better as the years have gone on, and I've had to learn to deal with whatever you want to call it—my anxiety, my adrenaline dominance—and at times my pelvis will hurt, and I know that that's when I, it's like a built-in barometer. So I don't really even hate it anymore. It's like a built-in barometer for me. If that starts acting up, hurting, feeling tense, I know that I'm heading towards like a stress um, potential problem. And that's when I back off, I can adjust things. I'll take finabut. I, you know, you can, you can smoke weed. I can do CBD, all these different things to help. Cortes is a big help for me these days. I'll take two in the morning, maybe two midday. If I feel like I'm getting stressed and I'll take two at night before bed, whatever I can do to not get in that wound up situation, um, is kind of what I have to do. So yes, mm-hmm. I think it all culminated in school, but I was freaking training for bodybuilding shows, dieting, you know, studying my ass off, and I thought I was totally fine. I thought I'd never stressed out, and then it all came to a head when I started getting that pain down in my pelvic muscles and different things. Doctors didn't know what it was. It was it was kind of a, a shitty time, you know. But but it taught me to realize that was just me being adrenaline dominant, me stuck and always being stressed, and I had to learn to deal with it and not mm-hmm.
0: back. So you wanna know guys, one know an interesting fact. If people with chronic pain have a reduced HRV, I learned that in my class.
1: Oh, I would that imagine. Would
0: interesting thing. I'd be curious as the pain start creep if it was creeping on if your HRV would be tanking. I wonder if you could draw a line between that. Probably. Probably. I'll have to get with you offline on that about that. But now, um I will say with I think for those who are listening. Why don't you define for you what adrenaline dominance is? So that's the fight part of your nervous system. That's the part that says, you know, you're under attack. There's some kind of stress. So,
1: you know, I kind of dealt with this in all my 20s and then into my early 30s. And I finally, as I learned more, you know, coaching bodybuilding, just reading, I took a neurotransmitter test. Okay. I had, I'm sorry, it was, uh, let's see, that was urine. Yeah, okay. okay. And I took a cortisol test while I did it too, okay? So here's how I came back I had literally no serotonin, very little GABA. My norepinephrine and epinephrine were pegged. So I was basically a race car with no brakes, okay? No braking system. So I was stuck in flight or fight. I had a cortisol that was completely flopped. My circadian rhythm was completely backwards. My cortisol would spike at night. It was low in the morning. That's why I was tired. This was around 2004. I tried to prep. I got on stage, but I looked like dog shit, and I didn't know why I couldn't get lean. All of this culminated around then. Um, And, you know, it had been going on for years. It had been going on for years, but I didn't know, and I didn't know what to do. So adrenaline dominance literally is when your adrenaline neurotransmitters are way too active and you don't have enough braking system. So, um, it's, it's horrible. Like you wake up in the morning and you're just, you know, I was like uneasy, but yet no energy. It's really weird. Like you feel like you should be going to run a race, but at the same time you have no energy to do it. It's really odd. Um, and if you read about being stuck in sympathetic dominance, you'll, you'll see that. So my body is just more prone to go in that direction. Um, But again, you would think because I had no GABA, no serotonin, I'd be depressed, but I wasn't. So there's got to be more to depression than just neurotransmitters being off. That's why I think there has to be a a thought process. You know, more Mm. people are more introspective, more people question their existence, more people are analytical. I'm not really like that about myself. I just pick a goal and I go charge through it. That's that's me. That's how I am. I, I'm not really introspective as some other people. Hope that doesn't make me sound like a meathead, but I'm just not. Like I don't overthink things. Um, but in any event, that's what adrenaline dominance was for me, and basically what it is.
2: Jeff, um, going going up on, you know, kind of piggybacking with Jason, just talked about about like um, you know his coping strategies, I guess, or his lowest of lows. You know, when he was in in law school, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, coping in general to help people. Right. And, you know, I happen to be someone who's very introspective. I'm constantly overthinking, right, Jason?
1: <laughs> yes, you are, sir.
2: <laughs> so my lowest of lows, I would say was when I was, I quit a finance job that I had, making good money and I wanted to get into training. This is when I first started First Call of Fitness. I was getting my certifications and I needed to open a schedule so I could take a client at 7 a.m. or 5 a.m. So obviously I couldn't do my office jobs. So I moved back home with my parents. I was you know, almost
1: 30, I think. At that How time. old are you now? I'm 35. Yeah, you were about 30 then. Yeah. Yep. And so, it was five years ago because you and I talked all the time about doing it
2: exactly and i took a job at a, a grocery store called roche brothers working in the hot food section and my job was to put the rotisserie chickens that came from in saline bags out of a box and put them on the spits and by the way never eat rotisserie chickens they are disgusting i've seen yeah, how they're I made one last night dude it's <laughs>
0: <delicious. laughs> gonna go against you there
2: so so i'm serving this this hot food right And this kid that I went to high school with, I went to, you know, St. John's Prep, you know, it's a prep school, a lot of like rich families and stuff, right? You know, if you guys remember from the first episode and this mom comes in and they're like, oh, Jeffrey, how are you? How are you doing? You know, how's life? All this stuff. I see you're working at the grocery store, all this stuff. Well, my son's doing this, this and this. In my mind, I'm I'm like turning red, you know, I'm just like this bitch, like, you know, to like rub it in. And I'm like, I know I'm not in a good position right now, but I know where I'm going. Yeah. And my, the whole point of the story is, is, is that I knew what I was doing. I was really focused on getting the certifications I needed. I was growing my client base. I was leveraging my resources. My parents let me live with them to save money and all that stuff. Right. So I was doing all I could. And I, I knew I was, but every night I went to bed, I knew I was doing all I could. And that gave me the security and the confidence to not fall into a deeper depression feels bad about myself because all I needed was time, you know, and that's how I kind of coped with that situation.
1: But you had a goal. I had a goal. You had a re in a a way to get to it. It wasn't like you got fired from a financial job because you were, you know, sleeping on the job and then you had to take a job at the local deli. Right. Yeah. Yep. You know, you had a goal, you had a, you know, you, you made, so, you know, I I think In that situation, I would have been like you, I'd have been embarrassed as fuck, but at the same time <laughs> I you was. had a you had a roadmap.
2: So. I knew I knew something that she didn't know. Yeah, and
1: yeah, that was okay absolutely. with me. But dude, that would be embarrassing as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, I can see where that would be like some professional anxiety for you. And probably some depression too, tied in that, because I know how it is, you know. I remember back in the day, people seeing me and I didn't necessarily have the best car or the best clothes or anything like that. And then they just kind of like, huh? Okay, well so I see where you're at. And I'd be like, one day motherfucker (laughs) exactly run that score up on you unrelenting um now so it's kind of like a little depressive anxiety point jason what about for you you have any of that professionally which part both depression anxiety somewhere in there so professionally you mean yes i have
1: i do think i have anxiety professionally my i mean as you guys know i mean i held on to a job in law which is not the most easy job to have for like what 12 years in my business i mean i was making plenty the last 5 years that i held on but the reason is it's because I, i'm always scared that the clients are going to dry up that yeah. i'm not going to be good enough there's going to be so many guys coming in that are better and i'm not going to be able to support my family like my family eats because of my consulting you know i mean i'm doing all these other things but like i've told you before new ethics is growing but i'm not taking money from it fever function is growing i'm not taking money from it you know, my family and my house and everything I have is, and so I told Steph, it was crazy. The other last week I had a dream that I woke up and every single client canceled at one time. And I was going to put resumes out and go back into the workforce. And I woke up like in cold sweats, man. And so <laughs> I can't really say that I don't have anxiety around that because it's always in the back of my mind. But at the same time, I've always been kind of driven that way, like the underdog. Like I've just kind of always seen myself that way, whether I am or I'm not. And so I'm kind of driven by, I'm kind of driven that way. So, um, everything, you know, in my life, I, 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 was driven by, you know, to kind of succeed and I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to, I guess, fail basically. So I do have anxiety in that realm. And, you know, Steph always just looks at me and laughs. She's like, dude, you're very established as long as you keep doing great work, you're going to have clients, but I'm always nervous. And that's why I always try to get better education and, and learn and, you know, do, do the things I do.
0: I'm the same way. I, I know we talked about that last week with Gorman about the shelf life of coaches, but I'll be real with you. That would probably be. So I heard once, you know, depression is the rumination of you living in your past. Anxiety is the rumination of you living in your future, you know, where you're just, and I will say that professionally, I don't suffer from any depression. I'm like you. I'm just like, fuck it. You just gotta keep charging forward. You know, what I'm right. it's I think bodybuilding taught me that. Mm-hmm. That you had to fail so many times to even have a hope of getting better, that you just had to be like, well, ego, goodbye, you know. Right. And but I think professionally I have that anxiety, like Iron House needs to do more faster. I need to be here. My coaches need to be there. Why isn't this person coming along with the fucking program? You know what I mean? And things like yep. that. And it's because I'm like you. I feel like the well could dry up any moment. I'm like, we're in an industry that the economy corrects just sideways a little bit. Who knows? I do believe that, you know, the good ones will, will obviously live and breathe, but it's just one of those deals where, you know, we're kind of like a niche thing that we do. And, you know, maybe about 10 more years, we might be that constant, everyone has to have us because, you know, everyone's health sucks. But right now I can say that that definitely leads to a little bit of the anxiety that I have. Yeah, I mean, for me, too, I mean,
2: client based businesses, it's tough, like, you know, like real estate, you know, agents, you know, coaches like us, you know, anyone who, who needs clients, you know, you always have that in the back of the head, back of your head. And that's what drives me too. you know, and I think, you know, me, I think it was like, my parents kind of instilled this, like, belief in me that like, nothing I ever do is going to be good enough. Like, I remember when I when I got, got into my MBA program, my dad was like, why don't you get into Harvard? And I was like, I'm dumb. I can't get into Harvard.
1: And good <laughs> school.
2: So it's like, you know, it's like that, 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 um, that feeling that I always have to do better. And the other thing, which is really interesting, which I don't think a lot of people will realize this, but, you know, my parents told me from a young age that, like, as a minority, you have to be twice as good as the average, you know, white person. Mm-hmm. Thing,
0: my mom said the same thing to me because I had a disability. She's like, thank you for that. You better sharpen your mind. She was like hammered on me about mine. Yeah,
2: because because here's the thing with all the equality and all this new age, like liberal stuff that's going on, people still view others as different. Okay, like I might I might walk into a store or restaurant. I might feel like I'm, you know, the same as everyone else. But when someone sees me, they don't see a white guy. They see an Asian guy and I'm different. And for whatever like preconceived notions people They'll may have, they see a two K
1: fade, dude. That's
2: <laughs> it. <laughs> they just see the hair. Um, but no, it's all seriousness. You know, people see difference, and you know, you gotta like. For for me, like my parents always told me, you gotta stand out. You have to be that much better, and that's just always been kind of what's driven me. So
1: makes sense. Yeah.
0: How do you guys want to? Uh, I know we probably should talk about. Uh, we actually got some questions. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Guys, definitely
1: phone. feel oh. questions.
0: Um, I do want to say one thing though. Um, you know, if anyone actually is listening to this and kind of has any of, if you're a coach and your clients are depressed, you know, be a good ear for them. But your ear should always encourage them. Your words back should encourage them to go get real help, like you said, right. like I said. Yes. Um, because I wanted to summarize that because that's very important. You know, here I am as coach, and I actually go see someone to be able to unload to, just so I could get it off, you know, and get it out there and kind of put the pieces together. And then with that also being said, um, I think it's very important that you do your due diligence when you're trying to think about where your mental health really is and the kind of therapies you want to go through. And that's where I went through. I don't think that the way I am is I'm very much like Sue and I I know like you, Jason, I don't judge anyone for what they have to find or what they need to do. But for me, I remember it was probably somewhere in my mid-20s. I was talking to a friend of mine at the time. We were just talking about, it was like, down stuff like depressional stuff and he said something about yeah man just like the other day I really thought about I really wanted to kill myself and I, I and for me I'll be honest with you it kind of stunned me because I was like well you know I mean I kind of think like that every day like because that was that was like I knew that I was like really chronically depressed and that's why I kind of started wanting to help because for me it was the household of don't talk about it depression's not real don't be a pussy You know, look what you've done with your bone disease. You'll just overcome. I mean, it was like hammered into me. Um, And I just remember kind of like it stunned me because I literally at that point, every day, a couple of times a day, just would kind of be like, hmm, you know, and we just think about it. And it was never necessarily that I wanted to act. It was just, it was those kind of thoughts, you know, the darker thoughts, because, um, you know, I'll be honest, uh, I get real depressed at night. And most people who know me would be shocked, be like, well, why do you get depressed at night? It's because I have to go to bed. And when I go to bed it's when I realize how bad my body really hurts. Like the moment I lay down, like my body goes into shutdown mode. Like mentally I start shutting down, everything starts shutting down. And the only thing I could think of is just my body's resilience to stress over time. It's just all the shit I went through just completely adapted. But even even me, I, I there's a breaking point. You know what I mean? And for me, it's at night. Like every night I just dread it. So I've tried to like find little things to make myself a little happy. Like I read like a little fantasy book while I'm laying in my bed. Well, Dungeons and Dragons. But in all honesty, you know, I don't know if I'll, I can't sit here and say that every single thing I've ever done has helped me from the microdosing and so forth. But I can say that, am I better than I was? Yes, 100%. So when right. people are picking yeah. what they want to do, you guys just need to pick what's right with you and figure out what's right with you. I mean, and people uh, can help. something you
1: that. there struck me was like, you know, you've kind of, you know you relied on doctors early on but then you kind of had to learn your own body and, and kind of you know whether it was microdosing or the nootropics that you're getting into but i've done the same thing you know i found phenobut um you know i found cordy's um you know different things that help i found cbd i don't think going to your actual you know usual general practitioner is going to solve those and you know add those things so I, I i encourage people to also kind of read up on things and be their own kind of best, uh, trumpet in terms of their healthcare, uh, and dealing with things like this. Um, when they're clinically depressed, definitely see a doctor, but also, you know, reading about things and what others have done to improve their, their state of mind and their overall health is always a good idea. Um, and not just rely on, you know, SSRIs or what the doctor only wants to prescribe because we have both, uh, kind of went outside those lines and used other things that are, that are, um, at our disposal to help improve our, our overall health. hundred percent soon. I, I do have one question for you, Jeff. Yeah. So, you know, you were saying how you, and I don't know if I'm going to ask, ask this right, but hopefully I do. You were saying how, when you were brought up that, um, you know, it was kind of like, you know, um, don't be weak. Um, you have to be two times better, um, because of your bone disease and, you know, emotions and things were kind of swept under the rug. Do you do the, you know, you're now raising a child who has a brittle bone disease, albeit his leg isn't as bad as yours, but he's broken it playing. Do you talk about the emotions or do you find yourself being more like, "Get up, pussy, rub some dirt on it, let's go. Like, where do you now fall as a parent because you've been through that? Or do you think you have to just make them tough and then the bad things that come with it, they have to deal with, but they have to be tough first and foremost.
0: Well, all right. So, um, when Keegan, you remember I was three weeks out from nationals Yes. and Keegan was running to school to see his friend caught the lip of a curb and his femur fractured. Yep. Um, you know, so I've been in two situations with him. Once when I was winning custody, trying to fight for custody of him, he went through, went on a trampoline and broke his leg. Well, in the hospital, mom was lying to him about all the stuff. And so was the other family involved. And I just piped up and said, look, man, this is what this is. We just have to do this. And so I was a little hard on that. But they were, like, saying, like, no, you don't have to have surgery. And meanwhile, his leg's, like, fuck fucking broken by, like, 40 degrees. I'm like, well, don't lie to the kid. Because, you know, some of that, my mom was very honest and my dad. They were just, like, straight up. I had input and all that. So I, had, I, I started giving Keegan input. So I was harder in that situation. Then when it came to – but he – He just bounced back so resilient. So then I'll fast forward to this one. When he clipped the curb, I leaned down and I looked at that leg and he was stunned. He was in shock and I knew it. And I was like, all right, man, well, you know, this is really going to hurt. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, but I I just need you, you know, if you need to, I put my, uh, I was wearing a a hoodie at the time and I put my hoodie in his mouth, like the sleeve part, so he could bite on it. And I picked him up, and when I did, I felt his whole leg shift in my arm and, like, my stomach dropped, Because at that point, I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm hurting him, you know? And I knew it. And he – I could feel my hoodie getting pulled to him. And then, um, you know, I just told him in the car ride, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, we're going to have to go to the doctor, you know? And I just kind of remained calm. And then Thera at the gym, I was seeing her that morning with Riker. She splinted him. We were having to adjust him, and it wasn't easy and, uh, for him to endure – and that kid didn't shed a single tear so that had to pick him up again, but he was splinted. So he was brace, but as we're driving down to Vanderbilt, um, he looked at me and he's like, so is this why you became a bodybuilder? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, man, I was like, that's why, you know, sometimes I push you and I'm hard on you to do your workouts and to eat good food and things like that, because this thing you have to play with it, you know? So um, I guess maybe to answer your question, it depends upon situations. I'm a little bit, maybe harder than I want to be as a dad. But, you know, man, I mean, it's just living with a disease, a disability, a hidden disability that people don't see, Mm -hmm. you know, and then trying to like, like fit into society. All you want to do is fit in, fit in, fit in. And um, it's just really tough. And that's where the mental turmoil takes. And and that's why I'm trying to teach them like self-care. You know what I mean? Like, if you take care of yourself, you'll be just fine. You, you'll fit in the way you want to fit in. And I'm trying to teach like that message, not just fit in how you want to, not to say where you, where you think you want to is probably not where you want to. Um, but uh, it, it's just tough, man. I'll be honest. I haven't really, I haven't really thought about it. Um, I like to think that I'm a good dad in that regard that I've probably um, given him enough compassion, enough love, but um, I don't know how much he could probably understand And that's, Mm -hmm. that's because like, so with my parenting with both my children, it's very, very hard for me right now because of their ages to like have this uh, relationship with them because between the ages of which they are, which Keegan's eight and Jared's 13, between those ages of 18, eight and 14, all I did was endure surgeries, physical therapy every day. And video games, uh, three hours of homeschool a week. And all I did was read. So like, I'm extremely disconnected. So like, I'm like, Oh, play sports. That sucks. You know, like, or other stuff. So I like re it's very, very hard for me. And like, I'm the kind of person I'm a very much a goal setter. So I like, I have to write down to myself, like you will step outside your shell today with your boys and go do this. So I have like taken keek in kayaking. I've done other stuff with Jared, you know, off on the, on the fly. So, um, there's that part of my past that I've dragged to the future and I can go, okay, I can make things better and I'm making things better. So, um, but I think I still have a long way to go. I don't know if that kind of clarifies it or not, but. No, it does. Yep. Sue, you want to ask your questions that we were asked? You want to roll into them? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So this one, I think we can all sort of contribute to comes from a a lady down in Kentucky. Um, She says, If you all as coaches could address how to avoid anxiety with clients regarding getting so caught up in their progress slash emotions and when they are struggling, I get anxiety when I get a check-in that isn't ideal and I stress a lot about how I can help them better what I'm doing wrong if I'm even qualified to help them. Especially as a new coach, as I'm growing my business, I'm continuing to get new cases I haven't coached before and it excites me but stresses me out at the same time because I second-guess my skills and abilities. Love that you guys are covering this. Thank you.
0: Why don't you go first with that? Me? Well, all right. Well,
2: I mean, we all started somewhere. You know, there were a lot of cases that, you know, I didn't understand You know, when, you know, I first started out, but I saw mentorship, you know, obviously, you know, Jason helped me out and educated me on a lot of, um, you know, various approaches and things like that. And I, on my own, did a lot of reading and research. And then it came down to getting the client's buy-in. I, you know, I said to some clients, I said, listen, I haven't seen this before. I don't know 100% if this is going to work, but I know these things and let's try it. And let's give me your feedback. We'll work together as a team and we'll try to figure you out. And then I had cases like these build up and build up. And over time I saw trends. I discovered methods that worked, what didn't. And then I knew how to do these things. But I think if you're starting out, you got to get the client's buy-in. Or if you really don't know what you're doing, then you got to refer out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that sounded like there's a two part there. It sounded almost like, what do you do about clients anxiety for results? And then what happens when, you know, you get a client that you're not sure how to handle. So as far as like, anxiety from clients it's nice to for one thing if someone's getting really anxious about the results I might just make them only weigh in once a week like right now like I usually have people just track daily so we can see like different fluctuations and just kind of track things but if they get too tied to that weight weigh in I'll make it just once a week same time same day and that helps a lot of people and then you have to look at things like not just the body because it takes so much time, especially if these are natural clients. Let them, like, ask, like, show them that they're sleeping better. Show them that they're digesting better. Show them that they're regular. Show them that their periods are now regular. All those things are health markers that are going to make them be better. If you're not sleeping right, shitting right, eating right, digesting right, you're not going to progress. So start looking at some of the other things that they can, like, buy into, and then um, that's going to really help them see progress other than just the physical form because everyone progresses at a different rate in bodybuilding. And I'll tell you, you know, usually, uh, you know, men tend to move a little bit quicker than women. So, you know, you have to find other ways to to track progress other than just how they look or else, yes, you are going to find those clients. Now, as far as your anxiety, you really need to come up you really need to get a mentor, someone that you can rely on and run facts by. Cause like Jeff said, he would get women who couldn't drop weight. And I would teach him like how do you how to look at blood work? Did you look at their progesterone? Did you look at their testosterone? How's their TSH? We'd go through all these things and he would tell me and then I'd tell him how to support it and how to fix it. And so, you know, you need someone that can be a mentor to you. Um, because you're not gonna know everything. And to be honest with you, every time I get a case that's complicated. I get anxiety. It's never going to go away. If you want to be good at what you do, it's never going to go away. I mean, I've been on a million bodybuilding stages. I hold an IFBB pro card. I'm still anxious every time I get on stage. Like it never goes away for that. It never goes because I want to be good. Because I want to do well. And if you want to be good at coaching and do well, you're always going to have that anxiety. But that's going to propel you to do better. And you know, get educated, um, read books, and get educated on these issues. If a client comes to you with something you don't understand get educated on it. But, you know, don't try to just um, experiment on people that, you know, aren't dropping weight and have hormonal issues. You need to at least have someone who you can rely on to get the proper guidance or pass the client to someone who knows how to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Um, You're never, part of being a, a good coach, in my opinion, is the ability to absorb that energy from your clients and figure out how to kind of manifest it back to them where they can get what they need out of it. And, you know, that's probably because I do the most in-person training out of all three of us. So I'm dealing with people and their energies, and I can tell when they're up or they're down for the day so I could call the workouts. I'm like a human HRV detector. Um, but um, I will say, though, as a coach, your anxiety will never leave. I mean, after being in that room at the PEC and here at talk, I'm like, fucking certifications am I going to get now? You know what I mean? Um, just because – and you want to be around people like that. So I feel like that's healthy anxiety. And I think that sometimes we – Like have like, you know, like I sometimes can look at my depression and think it's healthy because it's in the work related sense. You know what I mean? Like, uh, oh, I took that loss, but I can see the failure in it and go, okay, well, I just have to fail forward. I think there's some, something to be said about healthy anxiety, you know, like the desire to want to be better as long as it doesn't cripple you to the point that you don't like your job or you're actually dreading checking your emails. Then I say, it's just going to be par for the course. So I agree with you guys.
1: Yeah, it shows that you care. If
0: you're not anxious, you probably don't care. Right. You know? Um, So, I got a question, and it's, um, do you feel like uh, you're currently reliant on traditional medication to control anxiety or depression? How did you take the first step of moving off? Did you involve your doctor to do it safely or just experiment because you knew the doctor wouldn't approve anyway? So, I'll go ahead and answer that. Um, Traditional medication failed for me. Um, I just kind of read online how to back my doses down because there's a lot of people out there who don't like antidepressants who will rave about how great they felt. And then miraculously, a lot of those hyperlinks will take you into the microdosing culture. So it's real interesting how that kind of all links up. Um, and then I've, I never talked to a doctor about it because the doctor doesn't it fucking wouldn't even approve me for HRT when I had testosterone score 342. So I know no is going to be like, Hey, so, um, that ketamine clinic that's down the street, you want to give me a referral so I could go and I get those depressed days because they're showing we're ketamine now. If you suffer from a depressed episode where you might want to kill yourself, they're having these ketamine treatments. It's like an inhalation and then you just kind of like, it immediately stops the depression, the suicidal thoughts. It's like fascinating. And these they're starting to pop up all throughout the U.S. It's like approved um, forms of treatment. So I don't, I, I don't know. My therapist knows I microdose and she knows I play with nootropics and things like that. Um, and then the other part was looking at affordable costs. Um, nothing's affordable in my opinion, uh, or there's no, for me personally, there's no dollar amount to have my mind be free. I don't like it to be behind the cage that it's self-imposed by my depression. So I will spend whatever I have to spend to make sure I'm, uh, mentally healthy. So, um, I'm not probably the person to ask on a budgetary sense, unless Jason or Sue, if you guys want to chime in about anything you guys do for anxiety. I know you said Finna, but if you want to kind of like elaborate on that, Jason, a little bit or sensorial um, that's in your coordinates.
1: Um, so, you know, when I know that like my issue is neurotransmitter related and I'm low in GABA. How do you know that? Remember I took people a people who test. are listening. I, I took a test. Oh, you
0: took the test. But like, can you tell like, like during the day, like you just walk around, like shit my dopamine's off
1: well back in the day i could tell because um i was always felt like i needed to go run a marathon i had way right. too okay. much energy i always just felt like uh like you know what's next and like i said it was great in my 20s until it became a physical problem when i had chronic pelvic pain and all these different things so what i do you know i've 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 used um ashwagandha you know it's in a lot of our products but i i, I use our cordyceps daily um, i use cbd almost daily um, I will smoke, uh, some weed at night. Um, I use Fenibut, which is basically like an over-the-counter adivan, um, really calms you down. And once I started doing these things, I realized just how freaking jacked up I was because I finally calmed down for the first time in a, you know, in a long time. And I had to pull back on training, just like I do with my females are in met comp. I was stuck in flight or fight, which a lot of them are. I had to pull back on my training in 2014 lost a lot of size, got skinny, but it is what it is. Um so I had to do, you know, supplementation, uh also remove stress out of my life and let my body get back into a parasympathetic state. I had to fix my uh flipped um circadian rhythm. Um so I took adrenal Health from my company wasn't around then, so I got another adrenal product, took that during the day, um, and then used fenibut and things at night to kind of calm me down, get my GABA up. Um I think I only relied on ashwagandha to get my cortisol down. Had I had cortis then, I would have used that for sure. So, you know, it was a lot, it was, it was multifaceted, less, less stress on the body, and then using some of those supplementations, because um, Phenibut increases GABA release, if no one knows, and then 5-HTP will increase serotonin release. So you can use some of these supplementations to, you know, get those um, neurotransmitters that basically calm and relax the body released and, and go on again.
0: Do you, real quick, before I go back to Sue for his next question, do you think the FENIMA has uh, the addictive process uh, capabilities nope. that they've said? Whenever
1: I've the- ran out and been off it for a week, nothing. But, I, yeah, but it's similar. weird. I'm not like, there's been other things. Like, at one time when this all hit, I did get one doctor to finally give me adivan, And that's when I finally realized that, like, God, I'm really jacked up. Because when I would take that, I would feel so much better. Like, the muscles in my pelvis relax. Like, my muscles, I would just be relaxed. And so I real, I could, I could at least tell the difference between being really freaking pegged and jacked, jacked up to a relaxed state. So now my body was at least starting to feel the difference. But my point is finally he got to the point where he wouldn't renew the prescription and everyone's like, you know, I'm reading online and they're telling me you can die or not like Kate, like teetering off of it. And you can, you know, be not be able to sleep. I felt a little weird for like two or three nights and then I was good to go. So, I just don't think my body gets super addicted to things maybe like other people because I've read nightmares online of people like- Yeah, I've read them too. Nothing like that. I've been off of it for two weeks and no problem. I don't know. Yeah.
0: So if anyone plays that supplement, handle that one with care and do your due diligence. Same if you're doing the microdosing. If you're good on that road, or you can ask yeah. any of us, and we'll be glad to give you the feedback from our uses and help you out. Now, Sue, there's one more question on the docket. Isn't Actually, there? the other one was just a comment. They just said
2: uh, they really like the the Jeff, Jeffrey, and Jason three-, three J's, three J's. Yeah.
0: Well, you know what? I like you guys, and I like your hair, Sue. I want to I want to like give it like its own guest spot. Yeah. Yeah, no well, doubt. i well, well, hair
2: have its own episode you know, one who time.
0: Who does your hair on the podcast? Like, okay. <laughs> I could easily a fucking hour of questions just, just there. This is, this is This is something, that, okay? So this is actually
2: relevant to what we're talking about here, right? Self care is very important, okay?
0: Look good, feel good, baby.
2: We're feel good. I mean, listen, I get my hair cut every week, right? Because it makes me feel good. I get, you know, a pedicure done because my feet are nasty from being in the gym, you know, wearing sandals and socks, training in socks.
0: You're one of them. You're like belonging to a planet.
2: <laughs> and, uh, you know, I get that done, you know, every, you know, month or six weeks and, you know, things like that, you know. You're a high maintenance man, dude. I'm pretty high maintenance, but again, listen, it it helps me feel good about myself. It makes me feel like calm, you know, things are in the right place and allows me to focus my energy on the things that aren't in the right place, you know? So that's why I do it, you know? Just
0: remember how you feel when you make fun of me for getting up at 2.15 in the morning to do my morning routine that I do. Just remember, that's exactly how I feel too. Yeah, whatever it takes to feel
2: grounded, I think is important for our listeners to kind of impart from this conversation. You know, it's a coping mechanism because there's a lot of things that we can't con- – much of our world you can't control. So control what you can and then let the rest roll off your back. That's I've never, added, I've never had a pedicure. It feels good, man. They, they like, they go in with your nails. Like, they get the dead skin out of your nails. They scrub your heel. Like, I'm telling you, man, your feet will – Stephanie will thank you. Has, has you anyone, know? like – I don't dude. have
1: bad feet, dude. Even if uh, you're in soccer, I don't have bad feet. Nah. So
0: has anyone ever touched your foot inappropriately? Uh <laughs> – no comments.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you damn well. I so fucking knew it too. Like when I threw it out. It was there.
1: at the local rub and tug.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> he is. An Asian going into an Asian parlor. <laughs> you know, come on. Oh, man. That was. No, you seriously, the, the pedicure? Like that? Like, oh, wow. All right. I'm no. not judging you. They say it's relaxing, and I've
1: known other guys that go, but it just seems weird to me. And I really don't have funky feet, so. But I don't what really... if she's
0: like, like, or he or she, you know, could be like make weird eye contact while they're like, kind of like. Perhaps no, it's not like that. I
2: mean, it is an Asian place. I mean, it's like a Vietnamese. I think they're Vietnamese, you know, but they don't they don't speak English, and they just they just do their thing. I just walk in there and I point, and they do their thing. You
1: know. It sounds efficient. Like manicures too. No, no
2: manicures. No, I don't. My my, my, my hands are fine.
0: What's that? You could be a hand model with those hands. My, hands are, pretty, my hands are pretty good. That's you know? what I'm saying. Imagine what they could look like if you put a little bit of effort into them.
2: You know, a, lot, a lot of dudes have like nasty hands and nasty feet. I don't, you know.
0: Hygiene is really important to me. Hey, you want to tell the listeners real quick about uh, Minoxidil for the uh, beard growth? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, that so, made my that made my fucking fuck night. Yeah, I, mean, I knew I was going to end it with this. So, so a
2: couple of nights ago, all right, guys, all right, I texted Jeff and Jason. <laughs> maybe we have a real group chat. And I was like, I was like, hey guys, have you ever used minoxidil, which is Rogaine, to thicken your hair? And for those of you who know Jeff Black <laughs> and Jason Theobald, they probably have never used minoxidil, or if they had used it, it probably didn't work. <laughs>
1: it didn't work, right? No, no I never used it, hell
2: but- no. Well, listen, you
0: asked I, this on our face.
2: But Yeah, I, well, no, listen, I read that it can thicken your beard. And I would like a little thicker facial hair. Is you that know? because okay.
0: of my comment about you being Yeah, patches? You commented on his splotchy beard. Yeah,
1: so, and you made me feel bad. You made me feel depressed. And you and I have oh, such bullshit. full you rushes. Got your rushes you got your hair cut face of uh, fur. See, this is what happens when you make fun of me, Jeff. I get depressed, and then I got to go use Rogaine.
0: <laughs> You're the one who cheated on me with a workout program. I was the one who said you Kermit the Frog yeah. and hanging himself. So did, have you body. tried it yet? Have you tried the Rogaine on your face? I
2: have, yeah. I've been putting it on. It says put it on twice a day, morning and night, and you put like a little cap full, and it kind of stings because there's some alcohol in it. Do you just
1: walk around with it, or do you want? No it, right you, it,
2: no, it doesn't feel like anything. It's like you don't feel it when, once it's on.
1: I just don't see how that's going to work because that's supposed to, like, work by blocking DHT and you don't have DHT in your face.
2: But the thing is I've read so much, like, online that it does work. Like, so I just want to try it, you know? Facts be damned. I just want to try it.
0: Dude, I'm, like, totally for it. I have you. Are you taking pictures is my only question. Oh, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. Jason so said right. to take pictures. Okay. But you're going be the in.
1: first Asian with like a full beard with it all connecting in and everything
2: it, it's rare it, listen honestly it's really rare to see Asian guys with like 100 yeah, that I do right
0: now yeah.
2: you know so I it's probably just from my increased testosterone honestly yeah, yeah
0: that's what I was thinking what but, about a really sweet stash.
2: If I, if I, oh yeah, I can grow a mustache, definitely.
0: Let's do that, go the gentleman's stash, man. We'll no, no, but I would
2: like it thicker here, like, like higher up on my cheek. You know what I'm saying? Like just thicker,
0: like that. You want a beard like mine? That's like yours, true. exactly,
2: Jeff. I want to look like a, like a, like an animal, like you. Like an animal!
0: Just, wow. A
2: sexy Tennessee animal.
0: <laughs> a sexy Tennessee animal. no shit. <laughs> Like like I'm like a little fucking like little teddy bear koala bear, that kind of animal <laughs>
2: no, you're like a like a mountain goat that they find in like the <laughs> the, the Appalachian trail <laughs> Am
0: I gonna hear a banjo playing too, and see Bert Reynolds coming along with a bow <laughs> yeah, banjo and everything fair. yep, fair, well, I think today's episode was uh definitely off the cuff and definitely uh shared a little bit about us that I know that not many people who will hear this ever probably knew about us so if you guys have any feedback listening to this please let us know um, I don't think we mind talking about the topics that uh, people would feel as edgy um, they usually come out and evolve from what I've seen uh, let's decide it real quick while I've got you guys what do you guys want to talk about next week Sue why don't you pick the next topic and you can hit us you can say it now or you can I don't I gotta think about it I can come up with something pretty good though dude you're the guy with the NBA like come on you can't like throw that out there right now
1: Let's give him right. time, though, because if he picks something stupid, then we're stuck. Then
0: we're going to, like, bury him right now. Like, in of, like, why would we pick that? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah you I'm can't gonna, have him pick it right now on the podcast. I'm cool totally with yeah. giving him time because I don't think off the cuff I could come up with anything great. Uh. All
0: right. Well, there's that last cool thing I'm going to announce. So, well, two, one, we have an Excellence Cartel Instagram page, which Mr. Sue himself is running. That's right. Um, That's me. So, be sure to, if you guys like the episode, please tag the three of us, tag that page. Um, if you guys would go review us on iTunes, like write the review, that really helps us kind of be found more from what I'm understanding. Um, and then the last thing is we want to do something real fucking cool, but we're trying to figure out how to do this. So if anyone has ideas, hit me up. We want to do where we would have people shoot us. I don't know their email address. And then we always do this on Tuesdays, two 30 central time two three Eastern time we want to randomly pick someone during one of our podcasts in the near future that we would just send them a zoom invite and they hop on the hop on this with us. And then they'll just join whatever conversation of train wreck we're having <laughs> at that moment and just kind of, <laughs> kind of see where it goes. So um, a lot of people said we're kind of like morning radio. Um, so I kind of want to see what that would be like. I'm like, Oh, it could either go really good yeah, or it could go so South. It just tears apart. Hey, I'm for <laughs> trying it. Cause I'm like, yep. why not? You know, something yep. different. We gotta um, get some women on
2: here, though. You know, we gotta we gotta like freshen things up around here.
0: Mr. Smooth Operator, why don't we just send you out there? So, ladies, if you are listening to our podcast, Mr. Sue is saying, please, please, we can talk about
1: hair. We can talk about pedicures. Well, you, you know? can. Jeff and I don't have much to input on either of those. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, no doubt. Like I, I don't even. Yeah, I don't know what I could really input with that soon. Now that I think about it, I was trying to think of something real smart ass to say at that moment, but failed in my thoughts. So. <laughs> so, you want to bring a woman on to discuss? I think it'd be cool. No, just get
2: like a female opinion on, you know, training, you know, the mindset, mentality, dieting, all that kind of stuff, self love, you know, image.
0: We've been talking about doing that. And we've been talking about bringing been- one on to the um, Physique Education Collective. Oh, speaking of which, Atlanta, January 11th, 2020. It'll be the last go round on the presentation that we did. So, if you guys are listening to this, it's going to be at Titans Fitness in Atlanta, January eleventh, twenty twenty. Same setup awesome. like we had at Iron House. If you guys want to go, we're gonna have the website up soon, but we've already got ways you guys can just get a hold of Thera. We got been we've been disseminating the flyer. We're looking forward to that. I just can't wait to do some hot land on Jason. Yeah. Where are we gonna go that night? Do you want to go see? Uh, where are we gonna go? What are we gonna do? Because I know Sue's gonna be in bed early. It'll be me and you. They have like yeah, it'll a be me and you. I don't know.
1: We gotta we gotta scope it out and maybe get some feelers from people and see what what there is to do. But I mean, it's Atlanta, man. There's got to be something cool to go do. If you
0: all live in Atlanta, start thinking of where you're gonna be taking us. Because me and Jason will be putting Sue in a cab around eleven and sending Grandpa. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Just put some minoxidil on your face. Rub that. Rug. <laughs> I gotta go get my minoxidil. Well, again. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, man. Well, you guys all have yourself a good rest of the day. And uh, I'll get this posted up tomorrow. And uh, it was awesome. Good- all right. Good Not chat yet. with you
1: guys. All right. See I'll you guys. Watch. Bye.
0: Bye. Well, there you guys have it. Another one in the books. Um, I just got done, obviously, listening to it. Hence why you're hearing this. Um, a little weird to be so open about, um, I guess, some of my inner workings and my thoughts. But hopefully, if you guys suffer from depression or can relate to that, maybe uh, it helped in some sort of way. Or at least let you understand that you're not alone out there, that those thoughts, you know, they just are what they are sometimes. And it's just a matter of learning to manage them from what I found. I want to take this moment real quick to just follow up. Um, please follow the excellence cartel on Instagram. If you guys like us, please, you know, share us, tag us, let us know, um, and then leave a written review on iTunes um otherwise we got the physique education collective that's january eleventh, 2020 please go ahead and sign up now we have to have a minimum of 25 to pull this off so we're trying to get as much as me butts in the seats as quickly as possible and then lastly uh the jared strong event is going on in nashville tennessee next wednesday october 9th be a live benefit concert we got some awesome artists here in the nashville area We're also going to have a silent auction. We have, I believe, an autographed guitar from Jake Owen, signed football by Marcus Mariota and a bunch of other cool stuff we're going to be throwing up there. I think New Ethics has contributed along with some other supplement companies and so forth. Um, There's just a bunch of cool stuff going into the silent auction. We're also taking orders for T-shirts. If you guys would like to order a T-shirt to support this young man, Uh, Jarrett Steele, who I've done uh, an F-U-O-I video on um, showcasing his journey and the awesome attitude he has uh, considering the the challenges that he faces daily. Um, He's just very inspiring even to me, Uh, and I really don't get inspired by many people or many things, Um, but that young man is just, I just can't, he's just rad. Um, We're taking orders for the t-shirts. They're $25. If you would like one, please email Thera, T-H-E-R-A Brown, B-R-O-W-N, at IronHouse615.com. Thera Brown at IronHouse615.com. Put in the subject title, you want a Strong shirt. She'll hook you up. We'll make sure you get it. We appreciate your support in that. I know Jared and his family do, too um so anyway thank you guys again for tuning in please share us please give us a follow give us a like help us get out there and hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode